Welcome to Any Way You Want It. I'm your host, Kaylin McDuff. I'm an LA-based coach for women who want to create lives based on desire. Here on the show, we like to have real conversations about sex, relationships, and life through talks with everyday people, experts, friends, and everything in between, I give you a plethora of options, different relationship models, new mindsets, perspectives, and paradigms. Listen for what sounds interesting to you and follow that. This is just the beginning of you having a life designed entirely from the specificity of your desire everybody and welcome back to another episode of Any Way You Want It. Um, I am joined here um, by my friend Sir Om Rupani today. Um, I'm so, I'm just so thrilled to have this conversation. Um, it was only a matter of time before you, uh, you made a, an appearance on my show, Om. Good <laughs> to be you. here. Thanks for being here. I think you should explain to people, I don't like have a British title or anything that you're calling me, sir, simply as a term of endearment. It's what we will do in the DS. It, it is not an official title. It's really a, it's very affectionate and very generous of you to call me, sir. Ah, thank you. Thank you for that explanation. Yes, I, uh, I use, I use that language with Ohm um, because he, you know, he teaches in the world of BDSM, um, he's been, you know, teaching workshops around uh, BDSM and man-woman relating and sensuality for over ten years. Um, he has also authored a book, um, Prerequisites to Ecstasy, um, which I don't know if I told you this, but I recently read your book for the first time. So, you know, for my listeners to know, I've been working with Ohm uh, for several years. I've been one of his. Um, one of his devoted students. <laughs> and, uh, and so reading the book, um, was such a, um, it felt like, oh, wow. Like it just captured so many of the insights that I've gotten from you, from your teaching. And I, I was like, wow, this is, this really is the book that the world needs. Well, that's wonderful to hear. <laughs> so, um, so in our conversation today, I was, I was saying, um, just earlier before we started recording, um, what I want to do is, you know, for my audience, I want to introduce you all to like, what is the world of BDSM? Why do pipe people find it hot? Like, how do you play safely there? Um, and I can think of no one more qualified in the world to, to support us in this conversation um, than, than Ohm. I'll do my best. <laughs> um, well, let's just go back a little um, to how you how we got here, how you got here into this world of uh, of teaching BDSM. Where did all well, this start for you? <clears throat> this is not something you get a degree in from <laughs> college. Uh, I think with things like this, it's always you start off as a student and then you learn a lot. And then at some point you, you find yourself sharing so that has happened to me a couple of times and it had happened to with with this entire realm certainly you go in there as a student you go there to fulfill your own curiosity to get pieces for yourself because you're drawn to something and then you then keep investigating it and i don't know at some point you kind of transition and it starts coming out 
for those of us who have been crazy enough to teach all this stuff to other people or step into and think, I could teach this to other people. So always for myself first and then, yeah, that's always been the art in, in this this entire, what I'm doing today. Everything started off just as a, I want this for myself. I'm learning this for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going deeper and deeper and acquiring more knowledge and experience and then sharing it with others. Well, and what, what got you initially interested? In BDSM, uh, it was simply, I'm a photographer. And it was really a curiosity about, I wanted to, I loved the aesthetic of rope. I would see pictures with women tied up and I'm like, that looks really hot. It's really beautiful. Yeah. So it wasn't even, my first rope class wasn't even the desire to do rope bondage to do BDSM. It was like, it was almost like a, trying to learn a styling skill so I could bring it into my photography shoots. So I'm like, I'm going to go learn some rope so I can tie up some a naked woman and take some pictures because it looks really fun. So that was literally the entry point. And I took a class, like an evening class and some rope tying. And then I brought it home and I started tying my partner and then like experiencing the rope bondage aspect of it. And immediately something else kind of opened up for me. It was like a door cracking open. When I saw the impact the rope had, on the person being tied. That was not expected. And that was nothing that was on my radar. Most people still don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Most people who have not uh, really experienced bondage rope, tied anyone up, tied themselves up, they don't understand the, the effect it has on the psyche. They don't probably don't have a concept of subspace. Mm-hmm. Tying somebody up who enjoys being tied up uh, immediately takes them into subspace. So all that information about the effect this has on the psyche, mm. the effect this has on somebody's system was entirely unexpected for me. I was like really approaching it from all just aesthetic level. Like, oh, can, I'm going gonna, gonna to take pictures of pretty rope on pretty women. And immediately there was a door cracking up and I realized what subspace was and what this play was and that pretty much... All the, all the different branches of play in BDSM are designed to really create this internal shift. It is not about the aesthetics. It's not about the surface level. It's not about the fashion of it. Mm. Wow. That's so powerful to have the, have the experience of it. But I guess, you know, I'm thinking about my, my journey too. And it really took me having an experience yep. of subspace to say, whoa, yep. <laughs> I don't quite know what's down this path, but exactly. I'm interested. Yeah. And it's a big, it was a big revelation to me. To me, it was one of the few times where, as I say, it was, it was like, uh, the, uh, the analogy or the, the, uh, metaphor that comes to mind like it's a it's a it's a regular sized door cracking open and you peek in and there is this one of those uh, harry potter sized chambers in there mm. you're like there is something really big behind this door there is a lot behind this door and those kinds of discoveries they're very exciting when they happen we are lucky if we get a few of those in our lifetime mm. wow 
Well, and just to um, clarify for for my listeners who might be asking themselves, subspace, what are you even talking about? Mm How, um, how, what was your, like, you know, your initial sense for that and sort of, you know, your sense for it now? Uh, my sense of what subspace is or what, what exactly? Yeah. Yeah. What? It's a trance state. It is a completely altered internal state. It is a state where somebody's energies, they seem to coalesce. They seem to become more grounded. Mm -hmm. Their mind seems to quiet down. It is very much, I would describe very much as a trance state, as a happy trance state Mm -hmm. where they feel grounded, they feel present, they feel relaxed. Mm -hmm. And there's a sweetness to it. It is like falling into a sweet trance. And in and of itself, that is wonderful. It is wonderful to have any kind of transition where you can quieten the mind, where you can feel dropped in, where you can feel present with your lover. And it is also very conducive to eros. It is very conducive to arousal. That when you are in subspace, your system is is coalesced enough that arousal is easier and more possible because you're not scattered. Mm-hmm. You know how often people complain. I think women complain this a little bit more than men. That oh, I'm I'm uh, my mind is too noisy. My mind is too noisy. My mind is too busy. I'm not completely here, and they struggle with it uh, in their makeouts or in their intimacy. So the more distracted they are, they can feel I'm not really present here. Mm. I'm not really present with my lover. I'm not really feeling every bit of the touch he's giving me or whatever is happening with me because I'm scattered. I'm in my head. That's a common expression. I'm in my head. Subspace is the is the opposite of that. Subspace is I'm not in my head. I'm actually present in my body and I can actually feel what is happening here and I can be with the sensation. Mm-hmm. So it is like inherently a primer for sensuality. Right? Whatever we can do to our system to be present in a sensual experience, in touch, in arousal, subspace takes people there it makes them receptive it makes them present Mm, that's so so deeply true for me and uh so beautiful no it's a great thing to teach people because it's it's a very so oftentimes people will come in couples will come in and i was i was among these people in the beginning of my journey where we like we think Okay, we want to learn and we are open to it, but we our mind still goes to technique. Okay. Our mind still goes to, I need to learn to do different things to my partner's body mm. to create greater arousal in them, which is fine. That's, those skills are also needed, mm. right? But subspace is like, no, you can actually change your partner's headspace. And then even a small touch on their skin, even a light touch, even a caress, even a feather, even whatever you were doing yesterday without adding necessarily any sensual skills Mm. to you, your existing skills, they have more potency because your connection is deeper. You're being felt more deeply by your partner. So it is is kind of a different angle 
to our mind, which generally is kind of a little bit technique obsessed, the masculine mind, especially men want to learn technique, mm. want to learn to handle women, they want to please women, but they naturally think I need to learn some new fangled technique that somebody knows that I don't that's hidden in a book someplace that if I acquire, I will be a better lover. They don't necessarily think naturally of oh. I can actually change my partner's inner state. And that can be a pathway to deeper connection. And BDSM is absolutely brilliant at that. Mm. It is absolutely brilliant at first and foremost, creating that subspace, that connection between two people. Wow. I, uh, that's so beautifully articulated. Um, just the, what I hear in that is just the power of like being in your body and having your own sovereignty. Like that is one of the greatest erotic skills. Yeah, it is. I think it's a very high level skill. In the courses we're teaching, you know, these are more advanced players and more advanced conversation. But then at this point, the kind of conversation is, how are you presenting yourself to your lover? Mm. Because there's a lot you can do on your part. Mm -hmm. Right? Are you just, are you walking through the door with the entire day in your head, yakking away? expecting your lover to handle you and take you into sensuality or are there many many things you can do on your part before you even present yourself to your lover and of course there are especially when you learn all this you can you can come in and you can meditate yourself for five minutes you can change your clothes you can come into posture you can change your own internal state you can make yourself more receptive and then present that kind of, you can edge, even you can get into what edging is. You can, <laughs> you can arouse your own system. So you are presenting a yeah. very, it's your much better uh, offer. Well, you know, what kind of an offer are you making to your lover of yourself? That can be a beautiful advanced conversation for people to have. And BDSM again is brilliant at creating these rituals, creating these scenes in which two people can kind of play these games and have these structures together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the, the responsibility in that to say, okay, I, like, I'm going to turn myself on. Yeah. I'm going to create the conditions under which I know my body will open yeah. and I'm going to come to my partner ready. Right. It's such a different conversation than what most people are having. It is. And, you know, it's, uh, it's not like we don't know how to do this. I, I almost feel people put more attention and preparation into just about anything except their intimacy. <laughs> if you're having friends over for a little bit of a formal dinner, you put on your clothes and right. you prepare and you, and, you, and you set the tablecloth and you set the table and you go the extra step. You want to be a bit more formal. You want this to have a bit more structure and a bit more aesthetic to it. Yeah. But oh, oftentimes it isn't the case uh, with our longtime partners. We had a very interesting moment. I remember this, this really kind of went to my heart and, and to the, this was in a course with women. I actually forget what the context was in which I asked this question. But I asked the women in the class, when your husband or boyfriend texts you and says he's on his way home, how many of you jump to your feet, go to the bathroom and check your face and put on your makeup 
and straighten your sweater. And all the women looked at me like I was crazy. <sighs> Some of them looked like I was crazy and half of them got what I was saying and they were embarrassed and they were like, I don't. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, interesting. Because chances are in your first week and second week and first month of dating, you were. Mm. Chances are if you've got a guy on the side, for him, you make all kinds of preparations. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I know you do. Right. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. So like what, when you are coming to a coach or a teacher and whining about what you're not getting out of your relationship, I'm like, what the hell are you putting into it? Mm. How much is your investment? What, what level of creativity are you playing at? Are you presenting yourself as a lovely sexual morsel to your lover? If not, why are you whining to me that your partner doesn't want to fuck you? Can we curse on your show now? <laughs> um, bleep that out. You can just say whatever you want on my show. All right. <laughs> Um, well, oh my gosh, this is, I actually, I have to tell you about this, um, this exchange I had with a woman last fall. Um, mm -hmm. it was just, it totally inspired by my work with you. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, I was, I forget, I was guest teaching in, in, you know, a women's course. And this woman said, Hey, like my husband's going to come home tonight and he just lost his job. and." I just know how this will go from an automatic place. Like it's going to be a sad, miserable evening. And I just don't know what to do. And I said to her, I was like, look, you, I don't usually tell women what to do exactly, but in this case, I'm going to make an exception. <laughs> and I just told her, I was like, get your most gorgeous lingerie, get a glass of bourbon or whatever his favorite liquor is greet him at the door maybe put that on your ass if you want to <laughs> <laughs> worship him set him down on the couch like pour your heart into your man right and i had no idea if she was going to do it or what was going to happen well i just saw this woman uh, like about a month ago at something else. And she told me, she was like, that one thing made the biggest difference in my relationship. I, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, I do believe it. So um, I hope you can hear your impact in that. <laughs> I'm glad for it. I'm glad for it. And I, I did not... Uh, I was given this wider perspective and wisdom from other people. So yeah. I think there there is a lineage here that this can be a creative endeavor. This is one thing that BDSM and scene play will teach people is it's playful. We call it a scene. It's play. It's mischievous. And play is inherently creative. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, we, we don't really bring that level of creativity to our relationships, to our emotions, to our eros. Mm -hmm. There's nothing stopping us. I'm doing so yeah we think just as that woman thought that evening had to go a certain way maybe it doesn't maybe it doesn't it, and she can you know she can she can decide as you said to completely change the tone yeah and really create something else there and we do have these choices we just i don't know people somehow think uh 
we limit ourselves in the in in whatever sensuality is involved, thinking we can't be outside the box. But for Christ's sakes, go outside the box. You're going to be dead soon. Oh yeah, that's isn't that the truth? No. Well, okay. I want to just come backtrack for a second. I'm yeah. realizing in this conversation, I want to just, um, we're using the, the term BDSM. And if you have made it this far in the episode, maybe, and you don't know what that is, you might've Googled it or said to yourself, Hmm, like maybe I'm figuring this out through the context, but let's actually just like pause and have you share the basics of like what this is and how you explain it to people in the world who have never heard of it. So I think coming BDSM, it stands for things like bondage, discipline, sadism, masochism. When people hear these words, if they are completely unfamiliar with it, they will usually think of costumes and they will think of pain and flogging, all of which is an integral part of BDSM play. But I actually encourage people not to start there. Mm-hmm. To me, the core aspect of BDSM is the archetypes of the dominant and the submissive. To me, this is a way of polarized relating between these two archetypes. And to me, that's the foundation. It doesn't really need to involve pain or sadism or masochism. It doesn't need any of that stuff. But at least for me, that is the core that I keep that has served me well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, then we're going to have to explain the archetypes and dominance and submission. But I'll leave it to you to lead the conversation. <laughs> well, and polarity. I think that's a word that is uh, being thrown around a lot, I notice, in a lot of different spaces. How do you see polarity? Uh, to me, the fundamental polarity is man-woman. It, then that we seem hell-bent in society today to kill that polarity or think it's useless or outdated or, or something like that. I think, think that's completely crazy. Uh, the other basic polarity is leader and follower. Mm. Right. And so I think the idea of polarity, in at least in this context, it doesn't always have to be hierarchical, but in this context, it is hierarchical that mm-hmm. there is a hierarchy between two people and that is part of their polarity as is the case between a leader and a follower mm-hmm. and the dom sub kind of have that polarity the dom leads the submissive follows and there's a lot obviously a lot more to explain and explore within all this but uh let's start there yeah yeah that's um I I love that just the like really clear example of it. And it's like student teacher is another yep. one. You know, there's all yes. these all of these different those are hierarchies. Things. Absolutely. Yeah. Parent child is a hierarchy. Student teacher is a hierarchy. Uh yeah. Yeah. Um well I wanna just shift and hear um like we, I know we were talking a little bit before we started recording about like what has your uh, what has your mind occupied these days? Do you yeah. want to share a little bit about that? My mind is always um, I think my core obsession always has been how to make intimate relationships more fun and sustainably good. Mm. And uh, to that end, when I see where we are today, especially in man-woman dynamics, which is kind of my focus. 
Uh, it's a little disheartening. There's a lot of confusion going on these days. I think men are going through a lot of difficulty. There's a lot of ugliness going around, around pretty much mudslinging mass, uh, against masculinity itself and all its aspect, which I think is really detrimental to absolutely everybody. I don't think anybody is winning mm. out of that attitude. And it's creating a lot of confusion and pain. And I see, I see a lot of things not working between men and women, between their dating lives, their sensuality, their relationships. Things seem really to be in a disarray. So I'm always, uh, I always have my eye on this, and I'm always curious to see what people are trying, what's working, what's not working. How can we do things better? What do you think is... Uh... Like, what are some of the biggest pieces that you see that are just not working with man-woman relating? I think there are pieces on the men's side. I think, as I as mentioned, the, the ugliness towards masculinity, calling masculinity inherently toxic and thinking men are defective women, I think it is really creating a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. And that's the challenge men are having to face, uh, trying to come into their own. This is a, it's like a, it's a bit of an insult to injury. It is like a double, triple layer punch. At one, one level, men have already lost their fathers. We are already a generation of people being raised by single mothers. And a lot of the template for masculinity, a lot of the template for men's rites of passage from boyhood to manhood have all, already disappeared. So I think that is a deficiency men are already facing. Mm. And on top of that, we have a really anti masculinity. Uh, sentiment going on in our culture, which is not helping anything. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the challenge men are facing. And on, on women's end, I, I don't know, I think there are almost too many problems to count on women's end. Mm. I think women, are, women have really been bamboozled by too many bad messages. And it it's almost feels like they are in some kind of a trap of their own making or their trap they've walked into and they don't want to walk out of. They've heard a lot of bad messages that actually aren't working for them. I don't think women are happy these days. I don't think feminism has served them well. I don't think their idea of egalitarianism is honest to begin with. I think they're very confused in what kind of men they actually want to be with, what kind of men actually turn them on. And I think women are, quite frankly, they are really bad at being in relationships. They don't understand men. They don't seem to have the curiosity to actually understand masculine nature. They seem to have an entitlement that they don't need to do so. Mm. Uh, that all that ignorance and that entitlement is creating a lot of misery for them. And you would think they would wake up and say, oh, this is not working. How about I change my tone? And some women are, but most of them aren't. Most of them are going like it's a runaway train. Like yeah. they're not going to change their ideologies. And to me, that's a little baffling. It's almost a study in uh, a kind of female behavior. I think that I think women at their core are so agreeable that unless all the women are changing their philosophy together, it's very hard for women to say, you know what, this stuff that I've been told for 50 years is not working anymore. I'm doing something else. Mm -hmm. It's easier for men to do that. I think women have a harder time doing it. Yeah, well, you know, and I think just from what I can tell, there's just a, there's not, women aren't aware of the ways that they control men in relationship. 
at least for me, (laughs) I, I don't think I really understood the depths to which I um, controlled men, you know, really until the last, you know, the last couple of years when I've gone deep in this work with you and through some other modalities, I, I just thought, oh, well, I like things a certain way. That's good, right? Yeah, you're going to die alone liking things a certain way. A lot of yeah. women are going to die alone liking things a certain way. Yeah. I'm not kidding. To me, it's, it's, to me, this has kind of stopped being funny. Yeah. Women pretending things are okay. Women pretending they're the queen. Women pretending they're entitled to everything. I'm like, are your lives actually working? Mm-hmm. And I look at women up close and I don't, I don't, I don't think this is funny anymore. I think women are up dire straits right now. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of desperation. You know, we used to have this expression that most men lead lives of quiet desperation. I think the modern woman is leading the life of a quiet desperation these days. I don't think your promises have panned out. I think there's a tremendous amount of loneliness in women. I think the promiscuity is high, but the sec- even sexual satisfaction levels are very low. I think the relationships are falling apart right and left, and it's creating a deep humiliation in the feminine system. But women still want to say, rah, rah, I'm completely fine. Their Instagram page will show their best face. Their Facebook page will show them having a fabulous time by themselves. And it's nonsense. It's bullshit. And I'm like, how much, how much longer are you going to keep up this act? Because when I teach them and when I coach them, my heart breaks at the level of desperation and dysfunction that is underneath all that. Mm. And yet what would be needed for them to have, you still can't get them to even admit they need men. (sighs) And I'm like, you need to be on your goddamn knees right now and say, holy fuck, everything I have been taught is not working. My years are going by. My fertility is at its end. None of my relationships have ever worked. Something is wrong. And if I don't fix it, I am going to die alone soon. To me, it's like a goddamn five alarm fire when I hear these stories and I look at women's lives. And yet, I think women are so proud, they absolutely don't want to appear that desperate as they actually are. But if they don't, they will, they won't make any change. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of heartbreaking to watch. And the men are on the other side. Men are opting out. Men are opting out because they're saying, if this is how women are going to be, uh, I don't think we want to have too much to do with them, quite frankly. It's a very, very, de- very depressing cycle that's going on. Because men are looking at what women are bringing. And a lot of them are saying, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll be intimate with you. I'll have sex with you. I still want to have sex with women. So I'll do what I do to get laid a little bit. Beyond that, not interested in anything else you're bringing. And I'm like, this is really a high level of uh, just dysfunction. Mm. This is not a great place for men and women to be. But I think we are, we are in the thick of it. And yet this is not in the headlines. This crisis is not in the headlines. Yeah. I mean, I can say I, in my work, I meet um, just a lot of really hungry women. Yeah. Like they're, they're sort of um, malnourished in a way. And then 
but not like haven't fully opened up to like what's available outside of themselves you know yeah and i don't see them except for you know the women who come to our courses are different because that's the that's the domain in which we operate i'm right. like if you're really ready we actually have a list of pointers on who our courses are not for and it's very much needed but like yeah. if you're still in that camp i don't think that our material is going to land with you anyway Mm. save yourself an hour us some time because we're gonna to have to refund your money in two weeks anyway so you might as well stay out of it but those who are willing to make a shift the shifts can happen brilliantly and quite swiftly mm. but i think i don't know what it is i think either one part pride and one part it's like well unless we change en masse women don't want to change yeah well it's uh I think men, women, you know, whoever it is out there, there's just a a mass victim consciousness shadow and, you know, we are a victim shadow. And so none of us, you know, at large in the world, it's just not normal that people are taking like a high level of responsibility for their lives. Yeah, I would even say, you know, even responsibility sounds like a heavy term. I don't think we need to take responsibility for society. I'm like, I'm truly interested in functionality. I would be very practical and simply ask people, is what you have been doing, has it helped you create the life you want? Do you have it? When you look around your life, do you feel, wow, did it? Did it, great, I got the things I wanted. The messages you've been following, the attitudes you've been following, have they been? Get, yeah, do, are you fulfilled? And if you're not, I would say examine examine your ideas, examine your working principles. Mm -hmm. But what 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 you do hear more a little bit more of from women is uh, it's men's fault. I'm happy because men are not showing up, and I'm like, no, I don't buy that anymore. Yeah. Well, how does this play out when you work with couples, no. um, like long-term couples or married couples? Um, how does this, how does it play out? Like when they, you know, sort of enter into your work and they start, you know, untangling some of the stuff in their relationship. Um, what, yeah, what are some of the things that you notice and what are some of the first steps that you take with people to start to untangle this, like, I don't know what to call it, mass of resentment that yeah. so many relationships are inside of. I mean, I should start with a disclaimer saying it's it's hard working with couples. It's actually really hard working with long-term couples. Mm. It's quite exhausting. It's so much easier when people come into this training kind of on their own, get their pieces. I think they just prepare themselves to be better partners. When people come in, obviously, if they're coming in, it's because things are not working. Right. And I would say a small percentage of them are ready to try something new. And the biggest thing I would have them try is, is switch over from their so-called egalitarian relationship, which never is egalitarian, and try a hierarchical relationship to turn a husband into a dom, to turn a wife into a submissive, and see what happens. And people who are able to make that shift, people who are able to make the, play that game, without pride and without getting political about it, they get amazing results. But the number of people who can actually play that game and make that transition is very small. 
Mm-hmm. Neither neither do the men want to dominate nor the women want to submit. They don't really want to play with any other archetypes. They want to stay the same person. They want to stay in the same energy field. And then they're saying, fix us. And I'm like, I don't know how. Because the archetypes you have been working in are, first of all, dishonest. Right? And they're not working. So actually try something new. Try accessing a different part of your being and engage, engage through that and see what happens. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining a... Uh... A couple, yeah, that's been together for a long time, really like taking this work on. It takes something. It does take something. And the, <laughs> and the failure rate is high between couples. Couples suck a lot of energy when they come to a class together. Mm. Because they're bringing all their baggage. It's not like they're coming with a clean field. Right. right. So all the reasons they have resented each other, all the, re- all the ways they have cut each other down, they're like coming with a full load of bad habits. Mm-hmm. that are going to get in the way of actually creating a hierarchical relationship, right? The deep mantra for the submissive is find your dom right. <sighs> yeah, just stand up and say that to women. Find men right. They will punch you in the face. Mm-hmm. Right? I should hold up that placard. they probably arrest me. Mm. Find your man right. Find your husband right. When was the last time you did that? Are you capable of doing that? Right? Are you capable of shutting your trap for one evening and simply finding your man right? We're finding right. From right, we're going to move on to approval. From approval, we're going to move on to appreciation. From appreciation, God help you, we may move on to devotion and worship. It's really going to blow your world apart. But are you, do you want to be in a relationship where you're in those energies with your partner? Mm. And if you are, maybe jump in the deep end and start there. What's keeping you? If you're not even in approval of your partner, uh, I don't know what to do with you. Not only that, people think, people get indignant when you suggest it. Find find my man right. Are you kidding? I live to be right. Right? You had one piece of advice for the common woman. You want to become like 50% happy today? Stop giving up the need to be right. Mm. Wow. That's a, that anybody could take that regardless. Take of it on. If yeah. you want to go into these archetypes in your relationship. Yeah, that's... absolutely. Because that's where they operate. That's what the hierarchy is. The person in the higher in the hierarchy is right. So pick someone that you can have that kind of a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Not saying you're going to do that with everyone. So please don't confuse this with like have no discernment. Right. Go offer this kind of devotion or worship to the any any random guy on the street. No, it's your partner. You picked them. Why have you not picked a person that you find right? Why have you not picked a person that you appreciate, that you love expressing appreciation to? Mm. Why have you set yourself up for such misery? And if there's nobody out there that you think is worthy of your appreciation, I think the problem's with you, sweetie. I don't think you're that special. I don't think you're that amazing. And by the way, amazing people, truly amazing people, truly appreciate other people. Truly amazing people see amazing things in other people. They're not obsessed with being right. 
they create a generous field around them. Other people feel seen by them. Okay. So, and you know, these are ego games. I think loss of spirituality is probably playing a big contribution into this. These are the things you would learn in your church and your temple. Humility, lack of judgment for other people. See your own sins before you see other people's sins. Don't judge other people. Correct your own errors first. We are not bringing these very basic principles into our man, woman, relating into our marriages. And then we wonder why there's no intimacy or there's no depth, why there's no trust. And without that, you can't have deep eros without that trust, without that approval. Right. Yeah. Well, and if you could just, oh gosh, I love that instruction for women. Find your man right. Find your man right. We might title this episode that. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, what If you were to give one thing to men, what yeah. would you say? Is, uh, first of all, hone your attention. Make sure you have great discipline and control over your attention. And then value it. Mm. value your attention your attention is your greatest asset in this world as a man and don't squander it never just stop squandering your attention stop putting it on women who don't appreciate your attention stop putting it in work where your attention is not valued stop putting your attention on people stop putting attention on family members who are sucking your attention not giving anything back Be guard your attention jealously it is your wallet it is your gold it is your cash stack if you're not guarding your attention, if you don't have control over your attention, you're kind of lost. You're a child as a man. Mm -hmm. It's all you've got. It's the thing with which you do everything else. Mm -hmm. It's your currency. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, is there anything else just as we sort of start to make our way towards the end here? Um, is there anything else that you would uh, just say around, yeah, what's happening with couples today, men, women, um, just, yeah, in terms of what you, what you see or what you would say to men or women who are struggling in relationship? A pretty big question. <laughs> Your message to men and women. I don't know. I think I'm blanking out because the true message would just blow 90% of your audience out of the way. Mm. I think, I don't know. I think we're very far off from what truly is a functioning dynamic between men and women. I think the modern template has proven itself to be a complete disaster. So I would say actually really try hierarchical relationships. Mm -hmm. Try surrendering, try submitting. There are some women out there writing books like The Surrendered Wife. Read those books. Hear it from women. It can be a truly uh, very beautiful, very soft, and very loving way to reclaim all that is possible between men and women. And your erotic fulfillment also lies on that path. It doesn't lie on, uh, on the path of being right and cutting men down and calling them toxic and any of the rest. Mm -hmm. So, and, and what is standing in the way of that for most people is just pride. I think pride is women's biggest sin. I think it's a bigger sin than vanity. I think pride is really killing women these days.
Pride is killing their love. Pride is killing all the possibility they can have with the masculine. Pride is killing them from actually giving to men what men are deeply craving from women. Mm. It's pride. I think women, women are going to die alone with the sin of pride on their chest. Mm. I think women need to learn humility. And it's the last thing that the female empowerment women, the female empowerment movement has uh, advocated for. Humility right. is not what women have been taught. Yeah, Every woman has been raised. taught that she's amazingly unique and special. She, every woman is above average. You're not. You really are not. And this is really destroying your, your self-perception is warped. The way you're showing up in relationship is entitled and destructive and bratty. And you don't have the results. If you have the results, you can shut me off. I don't really give a damn. If you are actually happy, you don't need to hear any of this. Happy people don't need to hear this message. Mm. But if you're not happy, one place I would especially ask the women to look at is look at your pride. You're dying silently and living desperate lives because of your pride. Mm. Yep. That's the thing I've found. <laughs> and I and that is another thing that BDSM is brilliant at helping you explore. <laughs> is deconstructing your pride, sweetie. Oh yeah. Is putting you on your knees and calling your man sir or master and finding him right no matter what. <laughs> it can be a true spiritual practice for you. Nothing will rattle your cage more than doing that. You should at least try it for a weekend. I mean, if you're so goddamn empowered, you should be able to just do things, right? See if you can do that for a couple of days. Yeah, try it and on. see what happens to your system. If you're that big and mighty and powerful, what are you afraid of? <laughs> try finding every man right for a week. Mm -hmm. Try finding every man to be superior to you for a week. <gasps> Just play the mental game. Why not? You're mighty and powerful. What can possibly go wrong? See what happens. See if you're actually capable of doing it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love, I love that so much. I, uh, yeah, I had a client last week who as recently as uh, two weeks ago was like cock worship. There's no way I could ever get behind that. Yeah. She put her ego aside. She's like, you know what? I'm just going to try this on. Yeah. And with her partner, I mean, you know, had probably the most mind blowing sex of her life that night. And this is the other thing. This is again, it's uh, when we say this at the front end, people think we are selling them a bill of goods. But what women will hear is, oh, you are just asking women to be, uh, you know, doormats and to just serve their men and to give men what they want. No, actually, no, that isn't the core message you don't realize how much of your happiness mm. awaits you in that surrender. You have no idea how much of your happiness is hiding behind the door where you find your men right, mm -hmm. where you acknowledge and admire your men. It is not for them. You're not hustling them. You're not buttering them up. You're not being some kind of a Stepford wife. This is what the modern feminist women will think. You're just, you just want a Stepford wife. 
you should just go get yourself a sex doll. And I'm like, no, that is not even my offer. My offer is you are going to be less miserable. Mm-hmm. Simply doing it, worshiping your man, you are going to be less miserable because your consciousness is going to be on a different level. I'm not even talking about how your man is going to love you back. That's going to make you happier. Mm. Right. You don't understand which parts of your psyche you don't even have access to anymore because of your belief system towards the masculine. And that is like 80% of what is causing you to lead kind of dried out lives. You don't have access to those parts of yourself. It is tragic if a woman does not have the experience of devotion in her life. And most women have even lost it in the context of divinity. Mm-hmm. This is the other hit that everybody has experienced, but it's not on most people's radars. At least if when you had your religion, you could experience things like devotion and worship towards God. You at least knew what that frequency was. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, today people don't have that. Most people are agnostic. Most people pride themselves on saying, I hate traditional religion. I don't bow down. Don't go to church. I don't go to temple. I don't believe in God the Father. Mm. Like it's, again, like it's, a, it's like you're proud of it. You're, mm. Like that defines your independence and how amazingly liberated you are. That you're way beyond the idea of worshiping God the Father. And I'm like, you have no idea how impoverished your spirit has become because of the stance. And it is a prideful stance. It's a prideful stance. Well, and in that, I just hear the power of choosing something to surrender to. Try to start with God. You want a really non-controversial piece of advice? All you women, get down on your knees today in front of God. And really open up your heart Mm -hmm. to God. Experience what that feels like in your system. And if you do have an opening, if you do find yourself welling up with tears, good. And now ask yourself the question, is it at all possible to be in this frequency with a man? Mm. And if the answer is yes, then you can come take my classes. Because that's where we start. And, uh, and I would love for you to share um, about what you have coming up, how people can connect with you, and yeah, everything that's coming down the road in your business. Well, these days we are teaching uh, two main courses, one for women, one for men, 12-week intensives online. And the women's course is called Devotion and Eros. So we really start in devotion. We start in the heart for the feminine. And for the men, I have an intensive 12-week intensive called Creating the Dominant Man. So it is very much about helping men and women find their polarity. And uh, it's a beautiful journey. The results we are getting are truly very satisfying. You've been there yourself, Kayla, in in part of our curriculum, so you know the results. Mm -hmm. So it's really amazing to watch. both sides kind of reclaiming those aspects of themselves. Mm. That's so much the part of the journey. It's not so much about the tricks and tools we give them. It's about giving them a permission field in which these aspects of themselves can come back. 
and get yeah. integrated. And that's where the joy is. That's where the discovery is. That's where they almost take a deep sigh and say, yep, this is the place I want to live from. This is the place from which I want to relate. Beautiful. And all the information is on the website if you, whatever you want, okay. We'll also uh, put your website in the show yeah. notes um, so people can access it there. And um, I I think you all know this at this point, but I highly recommend <laughs> Ohm's work. Um, if there's anything in this conversation that resonates with you or that triggers with you, triggers you, you know, just take take a look at all of it. And, uh, and chances are there's something, you know, there's something here for you, but you have to be a full body. Yes. To begin this work. Yep. Right. Well, thank you, sir. So much. My for pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Bye everybody. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you got something from this episode, please share it with someone in your life and pop on over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. I'm so committed to more people custom creating their sex, relationships, and lives from desire. And this podcast is a big part of that. If you have ideas for the show or want to learn more about working with me as a coach, head on over to my Instagram at Kaylin McDuff or my website, kaylinmcduff.com. See you next time.